I'm Jake Alstrom, and you're listening to Vaccine Questions, brought to you by the Royal Irish Academy Life and Medical Sciences Committee. Our guest today is Professor Luke O'Neill, a senior research scientist at TCD who has become a key commentator on COVID-19 and all things viral. He has the background for it, given his research in immunology. Luke, you're very welcome. Thank you, Dick. Um, I think the first question, for me anyway, has to be about these 1,000 people in the south of England who have contracted a new kind of COVID-19 virus. What does this mean? Is it dangerous or are we in big trouble? No, it doesn't mean a lot, Dick, to be honest. I mean, it, it's a variant on the virus, right? And they know exactly where, where those changes are in the viral RNA genome and they're in benign places. So it's not as if it's turned into a, a monster that might make us all sick. They do think it spreads a bit more readily. That's why it's been spreading, I guess, around the south of England, I suppose. But no evidence so far that it's more dangerous, which is good news because obviously you wouldn't want it to become more virulent. That would yeah. be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Could it change again? I mean, can it keep changing? Does it change if it goes through humans or only through animals? For example, if it landed in a poultry farm or something? The good news is it's slow. It's a big virus, you see. The RNA, it's an RNA virus, as we know. Everybody knows now, don't they? It's an RNA yeah. Very long code, much longer than flu, which is another RNA virus, by the way. It's so long, it, it corrects itself as it copies itself. It's got a proofreading mechanism. So any, any changes are kind of corrected. But it will change. The odd little bit here and there will change, you know. But, but we were always confident it shouldn't really change into something more, more dangerous. And that seems to be the case so far. But then again, you never know. You could get a tiny change in the dreaded spike protein to make it more sticky. That might make it more infectious. So we, yeah. we're not fully sure. But at the moment, it looks like as if it's not changing at any, any appreciable yeah. rate. So from now on, it's just a matter of keeping an eye out for this and other variants and then seeing where they have their genes missing or added. Exactly. Yeah, like and if you're very, in a dangerous part of the genome. Exactly. And they're very good at doing this. To give credit to the, the UK, mm. the fantastic genomics there. They, they can mm -hmm. sequence these really quickly. They take yeah. those as samples and they spot this variant quite quickly. So it's quite easy now to see these variants. And they'll keep an eye on it. I mean, just in case. The, good, the other good news about this is the vaccine will still work against this because it isn't that different to the, the parent one as we call it. And as I say viruses do change a bit, nothing unusual, not, nothing to see here really for the moment. Another thing that strikes me is, you know, we've, we should be happy about the vaccines being there. All of a sudden, here it is. It's really going into, into action. It's going to start making a change almost immediately, hopefully anyway. Why would you, why do you think it's a big deal? Why is this important at all? Well, it's the well, first of all, the speed, because that comes as a negative, which we can come on to, I guess. But this yeah. is remarkable science, Dick. I mean, the virus was reported on January the 11th. That's when the Chinese scientist released the sequence of the virus. It's just like a few months ago. Yeah. And now there's a vaccine going into humans. It's absolutely remarkable. So talk about a triumph for science and medicine combined, obviously. And now here we are with a 95% efficacy in a vaccine. It's absolutely gobsmacking in many ways, you know. Yeah. And, and so, so that's the first and foremost. It's a massive triumph, I guess, for the scientific endeavour. Mm-hmm. It shows that science actually works. It does work. And when people put their heads together, I mean, there's no doubt the reason for this was massive collaboration. It took three separate labs, actually, to make this Pfizer vaccine, in case people don't know. The University of British Columbia, they made the fatty bag that the RNA goes into, right? Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania modified the RNA and then of course BioNTech the famous uh, German company they made the actual RNA and those three things had to come together to make mm -hmm. this uh, this vaccine without without all three actually we wouldn't have it and those three had to collaborate you see so it's a good example of collaboration I guess There's going to be very long author lists in all of the scientific journals when people start writing this stuff up I suppose There is indeed and remember it's a dream come true Dick, because yeah. this, this RNA stuff this idea was kicking around about 25-30 years ago yeah. and nobody believed it you know and then 15 years ago was the first hint 
that this might work. But even then, people didn't believe it. You know, yeah. in fact, if you go on the Moderna website, Moderna is the second company doing it. Yeah, I looked at their website uh, four years ago. Even he was saying this isn't probably going to work. You know, so so the people were hopeful, but but it was a big big lift to get to this point in many ways. And again, it was great ingenuity, I suppose, to make yeah. it real. The level of collaboration was again just to go back for one second. Was that already there, or was it? We better do something about this. Who knows more than anyone else? Ah, BC, British Columbia. Let's go over there. Is that how did it happen? Yeah, but well, there is always some collaboration. I mean, even yeah. in my lab, most of my papers there could be four or five groups collaborating. Yeah, it's just ramped up with COVID. There's no question. We got more collaborative than ever before. I think mm-hmm. it's partly because we know it's an emergency and we should. Like I'm working with labs better, in Belgium yeah. and Holland, for instance, and that wouldn't have happened without this. I'll tell you that much. And you're a bit cagey, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but now we know. Let, let's get together because there's yeah. no question. The dreaded adage. Two heads are better than one. I mean, this, and that, with this vaccine, that's what happened in a sense. That there was mm. three heads were better than one for this one, really. You know? Yeah. Um, the one thing about COVID is that there's always some kind of news floating around on the back of it. Um, something new will be happening. The government will say something. It will be told to lock up or lock down. Um, and the, the most recent now was only today, really, a lot of information came out on the 100 million euro plan uh, that will see 14 million doses of at least five different vaccines coming into the country and off we go it's our turn after that what what do you do you make anything of this plan or do we have to see it on the ground before we know whether it's any good i guess we do i mean it's again it's a remarkable thing in a way the the, the scale of it's tremendous for a start you know it will be legit the science is done now in a way i mean they've made the vaccines so Mm -hmm. science has done its job it now moves into logistics, like like an army is needed now yeah. to get the thing out, you know, and how they're going to roll it out. And there's issue about storage, and but that's just the logistical thing in a way. Mm. And then we need doctors, remember now, to and nurses to administer it. That'll be another challenge because it'll take a lot of effort and time, and mm. you know, and the heads, all these hesitancy issues, and so on. So, so in other words, we're now getting to the stage when it's real, I suppose, you know. And the plan looks reasonable to me. I mean, it, it's a, it, it'll be difficult because there'll be priorities, you know, who will get yeah. it first. That's just a supply issue. It's just there isn't enough to go around. Yeah. So they could do it in a certain order, you know, but I can't see that being a long-term problem. Yeah. The one thing I'm nervous about would be people deciding, oh, I'll take a shortcut, I'll go online, and here there's plenty of virus uh, vaccines on sale, uh, no bother whatsoever, I'll just give my credit card and off we go. Avoid that. Yeah. 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 No, like, like the plague, literally. I mean, tell people why this is a bad idea to go down that route. Well, you've got to remember, I mean, when a vaccine is discovered, it has to go through stringent regulatory sort of activities and examinations, and, and the Pfizer one, I mean, to get that approved in the UK, for instance, they mm-hmm. visited the Pfizer factory, they tested the batch themselves. They made sure that what Pfizer said was true was true. So there's stringent regulations. You know, mm. now if you buy a vaccine off the back of a truck or whatever, whatever the equivalent is, it may not have gone through the same um, procedures. And, and we trust the regulators. That's the most important message of all. Actually, these regulators know what they're doing. They're there yeah. to protect us. So as soon as they give it a seat of approval, then we know it's the best you can get. Really, at that stage. You know? Yeah. Um, Safety is always, always there. There's always people, a large fraction of people will say, yeah, no, I'm more than willing to take it. And an almost matching amount will say, I'm not going to take it, but maybe I will. I'm not sure. I mean, safety a lot often comes down to the speed with which the, the, the vaccine was put together. What can you tell people? 
It's understandable people being nervous. I mean, yeah. it's a brand new vaccine. It's a new virus. It's, for some people, even mentioning COVID makes them nervous. But mm. whatever else, people, there's, there's a range of responses to this. So it's understandable. And then you've just got to give them the data. I mean, I think the most important thing of all with this is lay it out in front of people and go, this is the data. Mm-hmm. And if the data is coming from someone you trust, that, that might be another matter, mind you. But we can trust the regulators for definite on this. And we can trust the drug companies as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, but of course, the regulators are independent. So you maybe trust them a bit more. And then we know with these vaccines, the speed is explained very simply with resources. So, so they put a lot of people behind it. Now, previous vaccines, a handful of people tried to recruit people to trials, did all the, all the form filling. You know, if you've had 10,000 people doing it, it just speeds it up. So it's simply yeah. a matter of resources and money, actually. They put loads of money to recruit people to, mm-hmm. to do the trials. And remember, they're all on record now as saying no shortcuts were taken. And then the regulators look at this very closely to make sure there were no shortcuts. And so you end up with a very safe product. And, and the speed would still make people anxious, of course it would. But they can be rest assured no shortcuts were taken. That this this is this is this is gold standard safety, yeah. you know, because obviously the the fear of getting something wrong is massive as well. Remember, so I don't think we need to worry about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, the do what we what we've learned about the the virus and the vaccine um, give us any indication of the length of time that this will work? I mean, is it a three, six, ten, hundred miles? I don't know. Uh, is it a year? Is it two years? You know what? Yes. Yeah, what unknown. do we know about that? Yeah, there are. I mean, there are some unknowns as well. And again, it's great to be straight with people. Say this is what we don't know. So we don't know how long immunity will last because it's a brand new vaccine. Uh, there's a study that was showing at least six months. Right? They've followed people for that long, mm-hmm. and you're still seeing a good immune response after six months. That's a good sign because sometimes they wane after three months. Six is good. It could be nine. It could be twelve. It could be beyond. Uh, the second thing is the SARS vaccine, and SARS is in the same family. Mm-hmm. That, that was SARS-CoV-1. Got renamed as COVID one when COVID two came along. That gave two years protection when they made a vaccine. So again, we're in the same family. So we're optimistic that you should have you know somewhat prolonged immunity. Okay. And is the deal then to keep topping it up every two years, or is yeah. it okay rather than saying okay we've reached herd immunity, so we should be yeah more than likely. Happy I mean, with that. Well, it, it depends on the species of virus. So measles, yeah. that vaccine lasts for decades. Yeah. Yellow fever is a lifetime vaccine. One shot and you're protected for life. There's the wonder of the immune system. You know, yeah. Other germs, like whooping cough, two or three years. Tetanus. Kind of you know, tetanus is short. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it depends on the virus. We think this one, the coronavirus, is, it won't be a lifetime protection for that. Mm. So I suppose at, at worst you might see it once a year with vulnerable people, on, like the flu, you know, and we mm-hmm. can live with that. that. That's fine, in a sense, because we can do it with flu anyway. Yeah. So that, that, might, that might be the, uh, the scenario we're looking at. Okay, Duke. People often are suspicious about the big pharma and their deep involvement in all of this. In fact, it couldn't have happened without them anyway. So you'd also want to say, oh, well, they're, they're doing you a favor as well. But people say, well, well what, what do you expect? We're going to you know, give way to big pharma and they're going to take over and basically make things worse rather than better. What, what do you make of a lot? It seems like nonsense, but... Well, it's a tricky one. It, it is industry. It is a yeah. business. And that makes people wonder there for the money, like any business, they've got mm-hmm. their shareholders, haven't they, and so on. But you're right that the only people who can do this are drug companies. I guess the exception is the, are the Russians. The, the, state, mm. the state did it in Russia and China to some extent. They, they were Chinese companies, but they're state-backed. So, But they're still commercial enterprises in a sense. Mm. You know, It does take a big corporation because it's a very complex thing to do. It's extremely expensive to do this. And remember, it's, it's costing billions mm. to get to a vaccine. And remember, Dick, you don't know till it's in the people, is it going to work or not? So, so they're investing at risk, you see, and that money could be gone. And it's built into kind of the, the venture capital financial world, I suppose, you know, and it takes huge expertise. Now, Pfizer 
uh, had recruited the A-listers when it comes to vaccines, you got to pay them wages, haven't you? You know, so in other words, there's always costs associated yeah. with this. So, so I mean, I, I can see why people might say, oh, it's big drug companies again doing this. But they're the ones bringing the vaccines to the market. They're the ones who yeah. are going to save us, you know, and you just have to suck it up. <laughs> I suppose yeah. is one way to put it, you know. And it's going to be free, by the way. Never forget that. I yeah. mean, certainly for the first year or two, potentially, it'll be a free vaccine given free to people, which is tremendous, you know. And in the long run, maybe, maybe it'll be free for years. We don't know. I'm often surprised by this next question. The... Um the fact that so many people raise issues about there being chemicals or bad stuff in the vaccine and impurities or, I don't know, somebody threw their excess coffee into the vat and had that work in. What do you make of all of this? Well, as, as you know, I mean, the, the, there's a history of vaccination going back since smallpox, basically, yep. you know. And through history, there have been a few isolated cases of vaccines having something in them that, that, that was a bit damaging to us, say. Or maybe the vaccine itself was damaging. And we know this, but it's extremely rare. And remember, if you buy any drug off the shelf and a vaccine can be considered this, the regulators looked at every single ingredient and made sure they're very pure, mm-hmm. that they're not going to harm people. You know, and in fact, the, the FDA was set up to protect us from snake oil. I'm not yeah. joking you, that was the start of it because they were, that was a dodgy chemical that harmed people, you know. So hence their job was to make sure whatever ingredients are in it are going to be safe, mm-hmm. to the best of their knowledge. Now remember, there's a remote chance of some safety problem, there always is with new drugs. Every drug ultimately might have a very slim chance of it going wrong. And what you're always doing is you're weighing the risk of that with the risk of you dying of the infection, say. And the risk in, a, in the case of every vaccine approved was always way towards, you know, protecting you from getting sick with the disease. Mm-hmm. Much, 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 you know, the risk there was much lower than the risk of, you know, some, some harm being done. You know what I mean? So, so mm-hmm. in other words, it's always about weighing up one risk versus the other. Yeah. Is the key to it, I guess. There's, I don't know if you've done these numbers, but, you know, you could say, oh, well, it's a one in a million chance that something will go wrong. If you don't take the, the vaccine, what is the risk, relative risk? Well, we know the death rate from yeah. this virus is about one in a hundred, you see. Yeah. And there's the balance. So if you have a one in a million chance versus a one in a hundred, if you're anyway sensible, you will take the vaccine. That's math that anyone could understand. We don't know about this one, though. It's still new. Like the measles is the best one, Dick. So so there's a one in 800,000 chance of being harmed by a measles vaccine, Mm -hmm. right? There's a three in 10 chance of a measles infection damaging your child's hearing. Now, which would you like to take? The one in 800,000 chance? Yeah. And these are numbers. These aren't made up. It's not fake news. This is really carefully measured, you know. So so in other words, all you can do is look at those, tell people those numbers actually is, is the way you do it and let them look them up for themselves you see. Yeah. And then and then if you're anyway sensible, which is why we use millions of measles vaccines, by the way, because people are sensible to realise it's a risk we're taking. Yeah, worth doing. Um, there's a couple of things I wonder about sometimes. The When you talk about the, the vaccine providing 90, 90 to 95% cover, What's with the rest of the the five and ten percent at the other end? What's is that? Does that mean that it won't work in an individual because statistical. of their genetics? That's just statistical. A ninety five yeah. is really a hundred. You know, like as you may know in science, you get an error bar and things. It's, yeah. it's, and the confidence intervals, I think, are ninety seven. So it's almost like a hundred. You mm-hmm. know, now it could have been the ones that didn't uh, get protected. Maybe I don't know. Their immune system was a tiny bit different because remember we all have slightly different immune systems. The more than we have different faces, it's very similar. 
the ones who wouldn't respond, there's a chine, tiny chance their immune systems aren't quite as active. But most people would say, like, any vaccine over 90 is effectively 100%. And mm. the ones who didn't, for some other reason, was there. You know, there wasn't some innate resistance to the vaccine necessarily. Yeah. Once you're up in that percentage, too, you're in herd immunity. So what's herd? Well, that's the key challenge now is to see how many people need to vaccinate. Now, strangely, I think it's about 70% for this vaccine. Now, what that means is if you if you if you have 70% of the population immunized, the virus can't really spread anymore because that 30% left over you know that's not enough for, the, for it to live in as it were you need a certain critical mass of people to be in you know to be protected mm-hmm. and then the virus got nowhere to hide they think it's about 70 that's a bit imprecise some are 60 some are 80 you know each virus is slightly different again mm-hmm. what, what herd immunity means then is the virus goes away remember and that's the goal of this ultimately or it becomes endemic is the word they use which means it is there in a very low level you know but it's not really harming people anymore and that's the ultimate goal with these vaccines if i have the virus then do i need to get a vaccine the vaccine would you have immunity of some kind have we spotted this in the in the science yeah i mean another we don't know actually to be honest i mean we know with other coronaviruses like the common cold because there's six other family members in this rogues gallery Kobe 2 is the latest one to be there, I suppose. Yeah. The, the, four, the, the, one in five colds are caused by four other coronaviruses. You never really build up resistance to them. You'll catch the same cold again. If you do catch it again, it may be milder, but you'll still catch it again. This might be in that category. Now, from what we know so far, people are getting reinfected. There's evidence of that. Mm. Small numbers, but it's hard to show, really. Uh, it'll be like most biological traits. There'll be a normal distribution. So some are protected, some aren't. Most are in the middle. Reinfection with milder disease which is a good thing. So, so we, will, we will see a bit of immunity mm-hmm. building up naturally, we think, anyway, you know, in the background. Yep. Where is the science going to go next? What's the next target of this? Well, obviously enough, we've got the vaccine rollout now and let's see what happens. Now, we're looking for there are two things. One is a safety signal, because remember, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. If... Woe betide, but if one in 100,000 have a really bad adverse event, that will stop that vaccine. That's too many, you know, in a sense. So now we don't think so because the safety data is really good so far. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that won't happen, but it's, it's called a phase four. It's called pharmacovigilance. So we watch very closely what's going to happen now and keep our fingers firmly crossed. Mm-hmm. Now remember, there's at least eight vaccines. So if one of them falls over, there's seven more in the race, so that might be okay, you know. But that'll be the next phase of this to, to monitor that. The second thing we're going to measure is, will the vaccine stop transmission? Now, this is a very important thing, actually. We, we know with Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca, the data is very good. It stops you getting infected and you don't get sick. But there still could be a tiny bit of virus in you, not mm. causing any symptoms, and you might spread it. Now, it turns out Moderna today said if theirs probably stops transmission. So that'd be brilliant, you know, because never and what that means then is the or not goes down because it's less, you know, it doesn't spread as much. And then mm-hmm. it really goes away, you see. So that, that's another thing. We'll watch that closely next, I suppose. And then the third thing, as you said, is how long will protection last? And that, that, that'll take a few years to sort out. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're the big things that science will now, now look at, I guess. Okay. Um, I got an interesting question in here, and we'll look at some other questions in a minute. But once my mother, who is 95, gets the vaccine, can we see her as much as we want? with that social distancing. Will she now have this resistance and... It'll take a while. I mean, you've got to follow the protocol for the vaccine. So you get an yeah. injection and then a booster 21 days later. We know actually, probably from day 10 or 11 actually, from the first shot, there's protection, a bit of protection building up, which is good. But just to be on the safe side, we've got to wait until the second 
booster shot goes in. And I think it's maybe five days later. Now she is bulletproof. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Or a better way to put it is she's got a 90% decreased risk of getting infected, which is a hugely lower risk, you know. So, so the vaccines will absolutely liberate people because the, the, the fear, to, to me, they could stop it, the fear going away, in essence. And the fear goes away from the vulnerable. And that's tremendous, you know. And, and that, that's, that's the vista that we have ahead of us now. Okay. Um, as I mentioned, questions are going to be important here. We have an opportunity for the public to talk to, to you and others like you, uh, scientists who, have, who know what they're talking about, who have good quality information and can share that information with people. So there's a, a question in from Mrs. Gay Conroy in Wicklow. And she asked if we know the trigger for the allergic reactions that we're seeing with the vaccination for, for the two healthcare workers. And was was it definitely the vaccine or was it something that the, the vaccine kicked out? We, we don't off? know. It's only two people. It's, yeah. it's, it's small numbers that were difficult to interpret. But these people were severely allergic people. They were carrying EpiPens. They probably have allergies to peanuts or something severe, yeah. you know, shellfish. And then they took an EpiPen. Their, their immune systems are ramped up, basically. Mm -hmm. You're now injecting them with an immune stimulant and then the allergy is kicked off, right? So, and it's not unexpected, actually, in a way. Now, they were treated quite quickly. It wasn't a massive attack. I mean, it was serious enough to keep them in, you know, for a few hours. Mm -hmm. the, the allergic reaction went away, so it wasn't that serious. But still, what's happened now, of course, is they're watching that closely. Yeah. And the FDA, I think the CDC in America have said it's okay to vaccinate people with strong allergies, um, but just keep an eye on them. Just as long know? as you have EpiPens nearby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the other thing was, it's probably polyethylene glycol, they think now, by the way, in the vaccine. So the vac as you said, vaccines do have preservatives because otherwise mm -hmm. you, you couldn't store them. P PEG, it's called for short, that does sometimes cause an allergy. Mm -hmm. So they're wondering now that those two people sadly have some kind of allergic reaction to, to body, I think. Like we know with the flu vaccine, for instance, egg allergy causes problems because that's grown in eggs the flu vaccine, some of them. And if you're allergic to eggs, you will have an allergic reaction. That won't kill you, but you'll have an allergy. Yeah, so it's a bit similar. Yeah. You know, so, so I think it's something that they're aware of and you could keep, just got to keep an eye on it, you know, I guess. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be a massive cause of concern at the moment. Now, if we see more and more people get allergic reactions and the numbers go up, they, then you begin to worry that maybe a proportion of them will have a severe attack. So hence, they, they look at it very closely. It's a good example, actually, of safety, to be honest, because they got mm -hmm. it, they stopped that sort really quickly, you know. Yeah, and they're, again, they're watching, watching, watching yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Looking for problems. Exactly. And um, we got another question too here um, in f uh, from Maraid in Waterford. She asked if there's a, a place where she can go to find information about breastfeeding before the vaccination, if there's a problem there, and could she find advice for frontline staff, for example? So she's wondering what to do. Is it safe? Is it not safe? Should I be doing this? You know? yeah, again, we don't know. So this vaccine hasn't been tested on pregnant women. It hasn't been tested on breastfeeding women yet. Now, it is being tested on that group at the moment, actually, but take time. So the current advice is if you're pregnant or if you're breastfeeding, don't take this vaccine for the moment. Just wait, you know, and then yeah. and they're going to get that data. Now, previous vaccines, it was perfectly fine. You know, breastfeeding, well, fine, you know, pregnant women, good. Mm -hmm. so, so at the moment, they're being slightly cautious because it's so new. So, so sadly, people who are pregnant or are breastfeeding have to wait a little bit longer. As they yeah. Okay. I suppose they would potentially be the, a younger cohort anyway, which survive better. It's a very serious question, Dick, because yeah. many, many healthcare workers in America are pregnant at the moment, are breastfeeding. Yeah. Now, they need to be vaccinated. So, so now, they, they, the word is they will start to give it to pregnant women anyway because they know other vaccines are safe in pregnancy and just keep a close eye on it. So, yeah. but, but I think, um, you know, over the next month or so, that should be resolved. Okay. What would be the problem caused by being giving the vaccine to breastfeeding women? Is 
it something that would transmit through to the child? Exactly. Or? It might go into the milk. Yeah. And then the child gets a shot of the vaccine, which again should be safe, by the way, because yeah. you see, what they're also doing is they're testing it on children. The, the Pfizer vaccine was only tested in over 12 year olds, and now they're testing it at under 12. Now, again, it should be fine. Other vaccines are fine in children. But this just shows you how they're taking it one step at a time. If we'd rushed it into children, then you'd be accused of going too fast. This, yeah. this gives us evidence, actually, that they are rushing it in a sense, mm-hmm. you know. But still, you know, obviously a pregnant woman and a woman breastfeeding, just a little bit of caution because obviously she wants to protect the baby and so on. So it's yeah. just, just want to watch for the moment, I think. Very good. Good question. I'll leave it at that, I think, at this stage. Um, Luke, thank you very much, as ever, an thank entertaining you. speaker with loads of good ideas and good information. Thank you very much. Great. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll find previous episodes at ria.ie slash vaccine questions. And if you have a question you'd like me to ask the experts next time, please send it to vaccinequestions at ria.ie along with your name and location. Take care and talk to you next time.